Welcome back to another ongoing series of Shirim Dafyomi. We are now on the final podcast of the third parak of Masachik to both Elun Arot, Mishnah Zayin on Daf Mem Amur Aleph. And this Mishnah is a relatively short piece, and it deals with the payment of Boshet, uh, which uh, we determine that is paid both in the case of Onus and Pitui. Ezohi Boshet, how is that paid? This is really a clip from Perak HaChovel, Perak Shminiya Babakama. It depends on the uh, person who's doing the shaming and the person who's shamed, meaning if the person who's shamed is some person of high stature from a great family, and the person who shamed him is from a lowly pers- place, then payment will play out that way, etc. Pagam, how does Pagam work? How do you establish Pagam? You, you imagine this girl as she is, as if she were a shifcha being sold in the slave market. How much was she worth before the onus of the pitui, and how much is she worth now? Knas is equal 50 shekel, doesn't matter who she is. And basic rule is that anytime there's a flat rate in the Torah, it's an objective rate, and therefore it does not fluctuate from person to person, unlike Boshep, Gam, and of course the other three payments for, for Chovah. Uh, the Gemara asks, Maybe when the Torah said that there's 50 shekel of payment, maybe that's 50 shekel to cover everything. Who says there's also Boshet Abgam? Because people are going to think about how inequitable and unreasonable this is. People will say, If you took the daughter of a king, the payment is the same as if you took the daughter of a common man, a hedyotot. Uh, right? It wouldn't, doesn't stand to reason. But Abaya counters this by pointing out that that's the very nature of Knas. Remember, if a person, um, a person's animal kills uh, somebody's Eved, uh, then, uh, then the, he has to pay 30 shkalim to the master. Alright? So now, if he kills the Eved, you're gonna send, it's 30 shkalim is a flat rate. Eved no kem the Eved Shloshim. So an Eved who's a jeweler and an Eved who's a tailor are both Shloshim. But that's the way that the Knas works. So to say that uh, you can't say that 50 Shkolim covers everything because it cannot be that the payments are going to be equal regardless of who the girl is just flies against the logic, as it were, of Knas. El Amr of Zerah. So Zerah has a different take. So let's imagine for a moment, um, and this is the reason that Boshit could not be included in a Hamishim, because if that's the case, then there should not be any difference between being boel her as a uh, somebody who uh, is a betula or being boel her as somebody who's not. All right? And so where is the distinction? It must be that it's relative to Boshet, um, since, um, since she already had Bia once, the Pagam is not as great, she's already a Bula, and so therefore, it must be that the payment the first time would be a payment that would demonstrate that difference. Uh, so uh, take the same difference. An Evid who's healthy, when you kill him, you pay 30. And an Evid who's dying or who's very sick, you still pay 30. It's the same problem. 
Elam Abaya. Abaya doesn't want, uh, like either of Zerah's answers. He gives his own. Amar Kra, we saw this already. Tachat Asherina. The Torah says he pay 50 shekel for the act of rape. Hani, um, Tachat Asherina. These 50 are for that. Chadika Boshtabgam. So that implies that there's other payments for the other stuff. In other words, the 50 only covers Tachat Asherina. Rav Amar, Amar Kra, and again, same pasuk, and he just sees the part of the pasuk says the man who lies with her gives the father chamishim, hanot shchiva chamishim. In other words, it's for the lying itself that there's fifty. Michaldika boshnuf gam. So obviously that means that there are other payments. Same kind of uh, association Abai makes. Now, parenthetically, we say ve'ema ledida. Who says that the father should get Boshidup Gam? Remember, the father gets the Kanas, that's Zeratakatu, that's what the Torah says. Maybe the rest should go to her. So the first answer that we give to this is the Pasuk that it states at the end of the Parsha of Afarat and Darim. It's Pasuk number uh, two on the page. It says, Bin Ureha Beitaviha. That God commanded Bin Ureha Beitaviha. And what's the implication? Of those two phrases being put together, call shevach neurim leaviha. Any benefit that accrues to her during that period of being a nara, calls call shevach nureha leaviha goes to her father. So that means that anything accrued to her during that time goes to the father. Well, if that's really the case, how do I know that if a girl before the age of majority of bagrut earns money, it goes to the father? The opening piece. In Parsha Mishpatim, it says, if a man sells his daughter to be a servant, why does it say, Bito Le'ama? It means that there's some of, something of a parallel relationship. Just like a servant girl, her earnings go to her master. Similarly, a daughter's earnings go to her father. Now, what do you need that Pasuk? If you already have the Pasuk about, about Nureha Betaviha, at the end of, of the Parsha of Nidarim, then what do you need this Pasuk? So the answer is typical of the Rehavetavia. Why don't you learn it from there? The answer is the Pasuk of is not a general Pasuk that tells us that all benefits of a Nara go to her father. It's a unique halacha about Hafarandarim. So you can't, so Rav could not apply it to earnings, and therefore he had another Pasuk for earnings, which means you cannot apply it in our case to Boshnufgam. So why don't we now learn about Boshnufgam from uh, from a far right in Darim. So the answer is, Mamonam Isura Leofinon. You can't learn Mamon from a case of Isura, of Hafar and Darim. Hafar and Darim is in the area of ritual law, and you can't apply that to financial law. So why don't we learn Boshtufkam from Knas? Meaning, since the father gets the Knas, maybe we should get Boshtufkam also. The answer is, Mamonam Isura Leofinon. As we see in the upcoming Mishnah, we've already seen it alluded to, but in the last Mishnah of the Perak, we're going to see it at the beginning of the next Amud, um the uh the whole world of uh, knas is a uh, is a different kind of world it's dealt with differently it has different applications it even has different areas in which it can be applied meaning different geographic areas in which it can be applied as we'll see at the very very end of our parak um so you cannot apply them 
the answer is the final answer is that it stands to reason go to the father after all the father could marry her off on his own to somebody who's disgusting and be pocheter and mevayisher etc the fact that he has that right means that the payment accrued to him when somebody else violates that right comes to him so it's not based on psukim because there are no psukim that can be used as a model uh, so therefore, it is, it is based just on reasoning within the context of his purview. Okay, what did the Mishnah say about Pgam? Said that, So, how do you measure? We see how much a person would be willing to pay for the difference between a Shifcha who is a Betula and a Shifcha who is a Bula to serve him. Well, now, that doesn't make sense. Shifcha Bula L'Sham what does he care if she's a batula baula if she's just serving him water or drawing his bath? The difference is whether he would how much he would pay for a shifcha who's a baula or not not a baula to present, to have her married off to his evid. So what does he care about what is evid and how how happy is evid is with this girl? The answer is and evid that the master happens to like like Rangamliel's a relationship with Tavi Avdo. He has an Eved that he particularly likes. So he says, you know what, I'd spend this amount of money for a Shifcha for my Eved if she's a Bula. I would spend this much more if she's a Betula. So that difference that we would somehow estimate is what the going value is, would be the way to measure Pagam. Um, good. Now the next Mishnah um, is a Mishnah that we've already encountered at the very beginning of our parah. Any girl who is liable for mecher, meaning to be sold as an amevriya, can't be a girl who gets kanas, and vice versa. We know, of course, in advance that this is the shita only for mayor. So a girl who's below the age of an arut can be sold, but he has no kanas. Alright, good. Once she's a bogeret, neither one happens, she doesn't get a kanas, she can't be sold. Now, we knew this was coming, this is our mayor. You could have knas at the same time as mecher. From the minute she's a day old until she's a nara, she can be sold, but there's no knas. From the time that she becomes a nara until she's a bogeret, six months, the opposite. A girl from the moment she's three years old, when she's Rui Labia, until she's a Bulgarian, has Knas. In other words, the Tana has Knas. Well, Knas in Mecher, the only Knas, there's no Mecher? What Chacham meant to say, and we already saw this at the beginning of the parak, was that even where in a place where she could be sold, she could also get Knas. Good. So we know that our missions were mayor. I'm Rav Chista, my time in her mayor. Where does her mayor get it from? The idea, they get, they get the idea from that a girl who's below the age of an Arad cannot get Knas. Because what is the the consequence of Ones is that he has to marry her. What does that mean? The verb tihiyah, she shall become to him. The way that it's, re, that it's read is, yeah, the father gets the money, but she makes herself available as a wife, meaning she has to be somebody who could make herself available, meaning a na'ara. What do they do with that? Because the pasuk says, it refers to as a na'ara. That whenever the Torah says Na'ara, the understanding of that is a through the age of Na'ara. 
Now, Shama Papa Bredra of Hanan Mibe Kuchlit. He heard this Drasha. Hazalama coming to Rav Shimbarashi. He went and told Rav Shimbarashi that this is how they were uh, explaining Rav Meir's reasoning and the Rabbanan's reasoning. Amarle Atuna Hamat Nitula. You learned this comment about Rishlokish, about that Na'ara means always a Ktana, as a comment about the Machlokat Rabbanan Rav Meir, about including a Ktana and Knas. We learned Rishlokish's statement as it does in a different context. I'm Rishlokish, I'm Otsi Shemra Laktana. The Parshim Otsi Shemra and Kitetse, a man betrothes a woman, and then the day after the wedding, he comes to Beitin and says that uh, I have not found her to be a Betula. And uh, if indeed the case is that he lied, then they uh, force him to pay Mayakasaf twice as much, and again, the same thing, Loti Elisha, etc. And the girl there is again described as an ara. So what does Rishlokish say? If you're Motsi Shemra Alaktana Patur, why? Now notice I wrote out the Pasuk the way it's actually written it, which is in this one case in the entire Torah, Nara is written out with a hey. Normally Nara is written without a hey, and we just understand the hey to be there. Here it's a Nara Malay, meaning in the case of Motsi Shemra, she can only be a Nara because the Torah went out of its way to write the full word Nara. So, with the only reason that a Tana is not in the Parsha is because the Torah said Nara. How could a Tana be in there? What happens on the flip side if, let's say, the man is telling the truth that the girl did have an affair, then they take her out and stone her? So she can't be a ketana, because a ketana can't get punishment like that. Ella, this is how Rishlakish meant it. What it meant is, the Torah in the case of Motsi Shemra wrote Na'arak full. The implication being that everywhere where the Torah writes Na'ar without a hey, even though it's referring to a girl, it's written that way in order to imply that also a ketana is included and therefore, that's Chachamim's reason for saying that when it says Na'ara in our Parsha of Ones, it is there to include even a Ktana against a mayor. Okay, the last mission of the Parak deals with Knas, but only as part of a list. Um, and it follows the uh, basic rule, which is based somewhat on a Pasuk in Mishleim, Omodev Ozevi Ucham. He who confesses and leaves his sin will be uh, dealt with compassionately. Based on that, Chachamim established the principle that Modebi Knas Patur. If somebody comes to the Beitin and admits they did something, before Adim came, admits they did something which would obligate him to pay a Knas, he's exempt from paying the Knas. And therefore, Ha'omer Pititi et Pito Shaploni, a guy comes to Beitin and said, I seduced this man's daughter, Mashalim Boshtif Gam, Apiatsmo. Based on his own testimony, he does have to pay for the damages. But does not pay the 50 shkalim. Ha'omer, and we'll see in the Gemara immediately why they picked Pititi and not Anasti. Second case, Ha'omer Ganavti, a guy says, I stole. He pays the capital value. But any additional one which we recognize to be Knas, because it's more than the value of the, of the lost, uh, the stolen item, which is the double payment for Gneva, or the four and five, which is if he sells it or destroys it or kills it, um, that he doesn't pay. If he says, my ox came and killed this man, or he killed this man's uh, ox, he has to pay himself, because that's moment. My short killed that man's evid, why? Because that that's a 30, that's a knas. What's the rule? 
And listen out carefully at that line. Anyone who pays more than their damage. Very quickly, we'll get into a diuk in that. Anyone who the payments are greater than the damage does not pay if he admits it himself. This, by the way, is the exact opposite of the rule in Mamanot. That if somebody admits to a financial obligation, that's better than 100 witnesses. And therefore, that's why when the guy comes and says that, and there's no witnesses or anything, and there's no claimants, and the guy comes and says, I was a fat to this guy's daughter, immediately he does have to be a Boshifkam, because that's Mamanot, but not Knas. Now, the first thing Gemara asks, as I mentioned, is Velitni Anasti. Why did it say Homer Pititi at Pito? Why did it say Anasti? The answer is Lomi Bai Kamar. They didn't, they were skipping the more obvious case. Why Lomi Bai Anasti? It's obvious that if the guy says Anasti, the law Kapagim law. Interestingly enough, for the rep, the word to go out that a particular girl was raped does not damage the family reputation as much, of course, that if, as if she, she was seduced. So when the guy says Anasti, and with the Lokapagim law, he's not damaging her reputation so badly. The Mishalim Boshtavkam Piyatsma. So certainly, Habay Boshtavkam, which by the way, the payment of Boshtavkam helps the bank account of the girl and her family, but it also casts a shadow over them because the payment seems to indicate it really happened. Remember, there's no witnesses. Aval Pititi, when the guy says, I seduced her, the Kapagim law, that does really uh, smear her reputation. Maybe he would not pay. Because maybe we would say, we don't believe you. And therefore, we're not going to accept the payment because we do, are not going to allow her reputation to be smirched. So Kamash Malan, therefore, teaches us that it is a chiyuv mamuni and, and he does pay. Now, that means our Mishnah does not follow this opinion. says, you don't pay poshtufkam. Based on your own statement, why? You don't have the right to, uh, to smear her reputation. So you come and say, Pititi, we say, get out of here. We don't know who you are. We don't believe you at all. So I'm going Papa Labaye. So Papa asked Labaye about Rabbi Shimon's opinion. What would happen if the girl said, I don't mind. I'll take the money and I'll have my reputation smeared. Then what? So the answer is, Maybe her father's not happy with it. In other words, this guy doesn't have the right to smear her father's reputation as a father, just because the girl's interested in saying, I'll take the money and I don't mind. So, what if the father says, I also don't mind? So, there's other members of the family. Somebody somewhere is going to not be willing to say that, uh, you know, we're, we should believe this guy and, and have my family's name or business partner's name, whoever it is. Um, dragged through the mud because everybody's going to believe that when this guy says pititi, that um, that it really happened. Okay, Haomer Ganavti. So the second case in the mission is if a guy says Ganavti, he pays the Karen, but not anything more. Now, Itmar, we have the following case. Remember that if a man's, I will start with an ox. If a man's ox goes out and does damage, any sort of damage, even killing a person, and it was had never done any damage before. Let's make it a simple case. It's called a short tom, in which case the man pays half the damages. Chatzinezek. Now, the question is, what is this Chatzinezek? Is it really the case that he should pay nothing? Because he, he there's no reason he should have had to watch his animal. It was never been violent before. And we impose a knas of a half. Or really, he should pay the whole thing. But because we couldn't know that this animal was going to be uh, was going to get so violent, therefore reduce it by half. That's an essential machloket between a papa and from Rabbi Shua. 
Eat Marpalga Nizka, this is really a Sugim of Akama. Rapapa Marpalga Nizka Mamona, Rafuna Rishua Marpalga Nizka Knasa. Let's see why. Papa Marpalga Nizka Mamona, they're paying the half is really Chiyuv Mamoni. A normal shore is not assumed to be watched. Which means you really should pay the whole thing. The Torah had Rachmanus on you because the first time, first couple times, you're, you're, nobody had yet attested to the violent nature of your animal. So therefore the Torah said, you know what, you had to pay full, we'll let you pay half. He takes the opposite position, says, A normal shore is really assumed to be Bechezkat Shimur. Really, you should have to pay nothing. The Torah put a fine on you, so that you should make sure to watch your... your... Okay, now we're going to examine this Machloket and see the position of Kras, if it can really stand. The Mishnah in Baba Kama has several cryptic statements, and one of them is it states that Anizak Vamazlik Petashlumin is in the third in Paragraph Mishnah Gimel, um, and the understanding of that is that the Nizak also cooperates or participates in the uh, process of paying, which means that in some cases the one whose property is damaged actually cooperates by uh, forgiving part of it, as it were, as in, in effect, paying part of it. Now, um, according to the one who says that half Nezik is Mamon, that's what Papa, and then I understand why the Nezik is paying, as it were, because really he should be getting a full payment. what? He's giving up half, as it were. But according to that position, really he should be getting nothing. He's taking money that's not his. How can you consider him to be cooperating in the payment? He's 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 uh, paying nothing, as it were, and he's getting money that really shouldn't be getting. So the answer is he is taking a loss, and that is as follows: in the case of Chatzinezek, the um, the fellow who was damaged gets the nevela, the carcass of the animal that was damaged. However. The value of the carcass is estimated based on the time of death. But he gets the carcass only a while later after the case has been settled. And so that pchat nevela, the amount that it's lost there, that really is his loss. So that's Tanizak Petashlumin. Now, pchat nevela tanina, but we have a clear Mishnah that states that, which is Tashlumin Nezek. The phrase Tashlumin Nezek in that cryptic Mishnah, we understand to be Malamed Shabbayim Matapim Nevela. That proves that the owners still have to deal with the nevela. So you see that it already says uh, Tashlumin Ezek. So if you're going to tell me that Anizak Petashlumin and Tashlumin Ezek both refer to Pchat Nevela, so what do you need two for? The answer is Chad Betam and Muad. You need one for a short time, one for a short Muad. Utsuricha, why do you need both? Diashvin and Tam, if you only told me that he takes a loss when it comes to Tam, sure, because the other guy, sure, had never been attested to as violent. So therefore, I have to lose a little bit. Of a muad, but when it comes to a shomuad, the ayad, he was there. The owner already knew he was violent. Emolo, maybe I shouldn't lose anything. Vyashmina muad, if the only Torah, if the halacha only told me that in the case of a shomuad, I had to lose. Sure, because he's going to pay for the whole damages, so I'll, I'll lose a little bit. Well, Tom, Emolo, but in the case of Tom, where I'm not getting a full payment, maybe I shouldn't lose anything in the Nevela. Tzricha, therefore we had to say it twice. Good, so that's one challenge to the, uh, notion of uh, Knas, um, of uh, Hunabar Yeshua's position. 
and we've seen it uh, we've seen it defended that it's possible to say that a that Chatzinezik is knas even uh, against the um, the the phrase Hanizak v'Mazik v'Tashlumin and say that what it's referring to is is Pchat Nevela. And Pchat Nevela is stated twice. Nonetheless, we explain why both would be needed. Challenge number two. Toshma. Ma ben tam lemuad. Very famous list of the differences between short tam and muad. Shatam mishlam chatzinezik migufo. If it's a short tam, he pays half the value from his own body, which means you sell the live animal, you sell the dead animal, and both parties split both. Muad mishlam nezik shalom in aliyah. In the case of short muad, you have to pay full amount, and you pay it from the best land from Edit or from money, but you don't pay it from the, vet, the animal itself. Now, so those are two differences. The difference is the, vet, the amount and where it comes from. But they didn't list another difference, which is in the case of short time, you don't pay if you admit it yourself, which would be the case if we're a Knas. So the answer is Tana Bashir. In other words, Tana left that out, meaning that, that don't consider that list to be a complete list of all the differences between Tam and Muad. It just lists two things. But remember, the rule is, in the rhetoric of the Mishnah, if you want to claim that uh, a list is incomplete, and therefore your item wasn't on it, then what you have to do is demonstrate that some other things were also not on it, and therefore you have to find out what else is missing, and see if that's a meaningful statement at all. All right, so the question always is, my shear to high shear, what else did he leave out that he left this out? The answer is shear chatzi kofer. A kofer works as follows. If a... Um, if uh, a, an animal, a person's animal, kills a person, so the uh, the owner of the animal doesn't have to die, but he has to pay kofar, sort of like almost like a, a head payment uh, for the guy that died. However, if the animal that did it is a short tom, then according to most, uh, he doesn't have to pay even half a kofar. So we say the fact that we left out kofar as a difference between Tam and Muad proves that the list is incomplete, and therefore he also left out the issue of Enomashalom Piatzmo. So the Gemara retorts, Imashum Chatzikofer Lav Shurahi. The fact that Chatzikofer is not there is not a, is not an, uh, a, 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 a demonstration that the list is incomplete, because Hamarav Yosei Glili, Dhamma Tamashalom Chatzikofer. Maybe that bright is authored by Yosei Glili, who says that indeed a Tam does pay half a Kofer. So that means that that list is really a complete list, and uh, and the fact that the chatzik nezek is not paid when you admit it yourself is not on there is meaningful. Toshma ploni So we have our mishnah where the guy comes and testifies. My ox killed somebody. you pay. My love, but Tom, are we talking about a short time? And that proves that even if you admit it yourself, you have to pay, which proves it's not a kras. Love muad. It's talking about a muad. Of a tam mai, what would be the case of a tam? And a mashal piatsmo. So you're trying to argue that if it was a short time, you wouldn't pay. So if that's the case, remember in the second half of KC, if you come and testify that you, your, that your animal killed another animal, you don't, you pay. But if you say your animal killed somebody's evid, because that's a knas, you don't pay. So why don't we just right there make the distinction and say, all of this is true about a shormuad. In, in the third case, why don't we say, my animal killed your animal, you pay. But that's only if it's a shormuad. If it's a short time, because you admitted it, you don't pay. Why don't we say that? The answer is, kulab muad, come on, you want the entire Mishnah, all the reference here are to muad. Okay, we don't want to get in time, because time is tricky. 
Toshma, look at the end of our Mishnah. Zakla, call Mishalim, Yater Omashizik and Mishalim Piyatsmo. Anytime you pay, and I notice, I remember I told you that we would be looking at that phrase very carefully. Anyone who pays more than their damages, you don't pay based on your own testimony. In other words, that's how we define knas. What's the implication? If you pay less than you damaged, then you do uh, pay based on your own testimony. So Don't make that inference. In, in other words, from the fact that it says, if you pay more, it's called knas. So therefore, less is not knas. And the implication is, if you pay more than you damage, then it's kanas. Meaning, if you pay the exact amount that you damage, then that's then it's mishal, and then you do admit it because that's mamon. What would you do if it's less? So, then you wouldn't pay. But if that's the case, the wording of the mishnah is awkward. Misleading. Just say a simple thing: anyone who pays not equal to what he damaged doesn't pay. Doesn't uh, anyone whose whose payment is not the same as the damages doesn't pay if he admits it? That would cover both less and more, which would solve the chatzinezek. The answer is tiyufta. You're right, and we have dis- we have ch- we have successfully refuted the position of Runa Yeshua that pachatzinezek is kanas. And the implication seems to be any time you pay less than the full amount, it is uh, it's mamon. Of course, you pay the full amount; it's mamon. It's only when it's more than that that's a kanas. And the answer, the, but the ruling is like Rav Huna Rav Yeshua. We just refuted him, and now we're passing like that? Say, Ian, you're right. Why was he refuted? You're bothered. That, that, how did you disprove Rav Huna Rav Yeshua finally? Because you said our Mishnah and its rule doesn't say anyone who pays different than what he damaged. That's a knas. And rather it said more. So the answer is lo psikole. The reason they said that is because that's not a cut and dried thing without exceptions. That's when an animal's walking and it inadvertently kicks some rocks to cause damage. That the the owner pays chatzineza because it's unusual. But we have a mesorah that that is mamona, and therefore you see there is an example of paying less than full damages, which is mamon. And therefore, they didn't want to say anything other than the exact amount is knas because it's not exactly true. Now that we've established the rule that meaning any unusual damages are considered a knas, and keep in mind that outside of Eretz Yisrael, they weren't allowed to collect a knas. If you have a dog that eats uh, sheep, or a cat that eats big chickens, mishunahu, that's odd, which, that's strange stuff, which means you could only, uh, charge chatzinezek as a, you could only, certainly pay chatzinezek. It would be considered a kanas. Therefore in Bavel, we cannot, um, make the owner pay. But if the chicken, if the cat is eating small chickens, that's normal. Magbina, no to collect it, that's regular mamon. And if the, in the case of the knas, if the claimant goes and sort of does a self-help and collects his own money from the owner of the dog or the cat or whatever, then we don't take, um, we don't take it away, all right, because, um, um, uh, because we, um, uh, we, we allow him to keep the, the, the half that he, uh, that he collected. And if the guy says, if the 
if the uh, claimant doesn't go and grab money from the property of the damager, but rather just comes to says, I want a time to go to the Beit Din Eretz Yisrael, where they will be able to apply the Kanas, we help him set up the time. If the other fellow doesn't go, he goes into Cherem like anybody else refused to go to Beit Din. And by the way, either way, if the owner doesn't correct his his uh, having his uh, violent animal around and get rid of him, we throw him in the cherem. We tell him get rid of your your dangerous animal. How do we know that you're not allowed to raise a violent dog? Put a shaky ladder in your house. You're not allowed to have blood in your on your hands, blood in your house. That's in the context of the mitzvah of makev, putting a parapet around your around your balcony. But the general notion there is you're not allowed to set things up in your house, which are a liability and are cause damage. In any case, Adran Allah Elunarot, we have completed our study of Elunarot in fine fashion by ending with a sugya and a discussion about uh, about uh, the whole issue of Knas and how Knas is paid. And in the next podcast, we will begin the fourth parak. Everyone should have a wonderful day.